Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. And joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the playoffs, Shane, it took a series of events right in week 18 in order for this to happen, but they got the win that they needed from the Tennessee Titans to upset the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we are in. And so I was watching that Sunday night game against the, the Bills and Dolphins, kind of just like torn between how to root for that. Like, I didn't yeah. know if it's if it's best to go in Arrowhead and play against the Chiefs or, or to go on the road in Buffalo. Looks like it's going to be a frigid, frigid game in Kansas City this week. And so poor Dolphins losing that game. I mean, they, they've got their work cut out for them now. They're not used to that kind of weather. But anyway, uh, we're going to uh, talk about the Steelers versus Bills wildcard matchup. Um, we'd love for you guys to share your thoughts if you're joining us here live. Can the Pittsburgh Steelers win with TJ Watt? That's the big topic today. It's the big topic of this week. It's what we all want to see. I've got some really just condemning evidence against yeah. the Steelers right now. And we'll put that in context and, and, and talk about what it means. Uh, but it's not encouraging. And it, so far, this team without TJ Watt has been miserable, to say the least. And, and so we'll go yeah. over that in just a little bit here. Uh, let's talk about some of the news for this week, though, Shane, starting off here. And let's rehash this Steelers win uh, real quick, because it was necessary. They needed this to get in the playoffs. I wasn't surprised by it, uh, considering that we knew that the Ravens were going to be resting their players, essentially. No Lamar Jackson. They were without their number one and two receiver. Uh, they were without, without a handful of guys on defense, uh, Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton among others, Roquan Smith. So it, it, I wasn't shocked to see the outcome of this game. The Steelers ended up winning by just a score, and I would like it to be a little bit more convincing than that, considering the circumstances, knowing this is a do-or-die game for the Steelers. But I think the weather also played a huge factor in this one. Yeah, I think the weather was the great equalizer here, right? Because obviously you deal with tough conditions, and you know, the Steelers are kind of built for that right now, especially with the way the run game is going. But the running backs still need to hold on to the ball, and and ours didn't yeah. do a great job at times. Theirs certainly didn't either. So I think it was the the weather that was definitely a limiting factor there. Um, I think the passing games were pretty rough outside of you know the one big play Rudolph had. He was efficient, but he didn't do anything spectacular. It was kind of hard too. But yeah, overall, I think that they took care of business, right? They got it done. Mm. Would have liked it to be cleaner, but again, in this type of weather, this type of time of year, you go to Baltimore if they were if it was in. Hines or Akersher, whatever you want to call it at this point, but whatever, whatever game it would have been or whatever it would have been, it was going to be a rough weather game. So, yeah. And I was a little bit nervous when that game started because I kind of thought the Steelers would not coast to victory. They have a hard time doing that. They did it against Cincinnati a couple of weeks yeah. back, but win convincingly enough. And when I saw that tr just torrential rain coming down there, I'm like, I'm a little bit nervous about the way this could go here. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw on the very first drive, both Najee and Warren, coughed it up temporarily and were able mm -hmm. to regain the football. That game right. could have gone a different direction For had sure. the Steelers gone down early. Uh, besides the point, they emerged victorious. Um, any any other notes that you want to highlight from that game, winners, losers, anything like that, Shane? Uh, I would classify him as a winner because of the obvious uh, zero on the stat sheet, almost minus uh, one jet sweep. But George Pickens, 
He didn't get targeted, but there's a reason for that. They were purposely trying to keep the football away from him after his explosive two weeks with Mason Rudolph. But no blips, no concerns, no yelling or making a, a mess or a fuss. Like, I think he's bought in. And, and I talked about this actually on a podcast earlier this week that I, I do as well that I, I jump on about how I think the problem with Pickens was not just his production being low for a while there and, and, and being struggling with that and dealing with that, but – this is a guy who has not lost a lot of games in his life, right? I mean, he was obviously a great high school player, goes to Georgia. They, they don't really lose any games at Georgia hardly. Comes in the NFL last year, obviously had a rough start through the year, but they finished really strong. So he is so used to just, you know, success and, and winning and, and having that mentality and that vibe around the team. And when we were having that those struggles, especially the, the three-game losing streak, yeah, I think he just he's not ready for that type of stuff yet. And and obviously that's something you want him to work on. I think he has to a certain degree, obviously. But I think winning, as always, tends to kind of cure all, right? Like that that's really the biggest thing with that. Yeah, and I had people ask me, Shane, like, how could you be celebrating? The guy's just doing what he's supposed to do as a good team. And I'm like, like baby steps. Uh, yeah, baby right? steps. Like, we'll we, take it. We we'll have seen, it. yeah, we, we have seen uh some not 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 so desirable. Uh, attitudes and behaviors from Pickens at times. Yeah. And so I did think it was encouraging at the very mm-hmm. least to say, mm-hmm. all right, his, his, he, his body language was great. He was obviously very positive. Rudolph uh, praised him for the way he handled sure. not getting a single target. And, and again, Pickens, Pickens knows, and we all know at home, he's too good to not get a target throughout the course of an entire game. And right. so uh, that can't happen again. We talked about that on yesterday's show. If you guys want to catch up yes, on that, Shane and I broke down uh, a lot of that. But uh, it can't happen again if you expect to win against Buffalo. No. Um, that I mean, the, honestly, the biggest loser from this game, obviously, was Montrevious Adams <laughs> colliding into TJ yeah, Watt late yeah, in that third quarter. He's going to be thinking about uh, that And I know that, I mean, he, he probably got some threats or something after that. I feel bad for the guy because I mean, obviously too, it was yeah. completely unintentional. Yeah, not his fault. He's just trying so, to throw the ball. And- no, I know. We just, uh, it, it's it's hard. It's a hard scenario now. You go into yeah. uh, the biggest game of the season, the biggest game the Stewards have had in two years, and you're doing it without your best player. So we're going to talk about that yeah. uh, in just a little bit. All right. Uh, Stewards made the playoffs, obviously, because of the Titans win over Jacksonville. Did you see... Uh, that game going that direction, Shane. I can't remember what you, when we made our predictions the week prior. I, what did I did, say? I did predict okay. this game to go this way, and I, I this was the game I was looking at. Not so much the Bills Dolphins, as much as I think the Dolphins are kind of getting a little too much flack right now for for that loss. I, I just felt like the Bills kind of have their number that they're built to play them very well. Josh yeah. Allen, despite the wild turnovers early in the game, has always really dominated the. Dolphins since he's been in the league so I wasn't as confident about that happening so this was the one that I was looking at where okay I think the Titans in a game where they want to send the Jaguars home they have always owned the Jaguars Derrick Henry especially is always on the Jaguars mm-hmm. I mean just think of the 99 yard touchdown run years ago and just all the big plays he's had against them and I was like you know this could be his last hurrah and it turns out it was also Mike Vrabel's uh, for some reasons unknown I'm sure that that'll be talked about but I just felt like the Jaguars just this wasn't their year. They had a lot of things go wrong. They had the eight and three, you know, start through eleven games and kind of crushed, you know, crashed down the, the stretch there. And Trevor Lawrence was injured, and it's just it just felt right. And I ended up being right about that. And I'm I'm definitely glad to say it. Yeah, I I didn't think I, I thought that Jacksonville would pull it out because I knew that Lawrence was going to be right. Like, I had a good hunch that Lawrence was going to be playing in this game, and yeah. I thought that it meant more to them, obviously, because yes, they were yes. winning your in, and so. Uh, and it didn't mean much to Tennessee other than the fact that you want to speed a division rival. But uh, Jacksonville just got cold at the wrong time. 
And yeah. it, it was it benefited the Steelers in the long run because without that game, the Steelers do not get in with nope. the way that that the results in the Bills Dolphins uh, game went. And so Steelers needed Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee showed up. Mike Vrabel, a former Pittsburgh Steeler, mm-hmm. yeah, he he pulled through for us Absolutely. in the end there. Uh, let's talk about the Mike Tomlin rumors for a second. We're just going to touch on this yeah. because we did this in yesterday's show. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and so if you do, if you missed that, make sure you go back and, and give that a listen. Um, there are whispers again now, and this one's coming from uh, Adam Schefter now that Mike Tomlin could consider taking some time off. Was the 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 words that he used uh, following the 2024 postseason? And so that would be really interesting. This is not the first time. We've heard something about Tomlin. There's been nothing concrete, but we've heard it now from Schefter and Jay Glazer, who has connections yeah, with Tomlin, and I believe sure. Rappaport as well. And so there might be something more to this uh, than what we originally thought. Yeah, and I think that the more we hear about it, the more likely it is that it's at least something that has actively been talked about, whether it's just with him and his inner circle or the team understands that this is a possibility, you know, whatever the sources are and whatever they're, whatever way they're leaning, like there's definitely something to this right now. Is it one of those things where mm-hmm. it's like, he's thinking about it because he's been coaching so long and maybe he's just kind of offhandedly talking about it with people that would, would be willing to tell other people about it. You know, we don't know how deep this actually goes, but I do think obviously where there's smoke, there's fire typically. And I, and I think when it comes to Tomlin, he has had such a long tenure now with this team. The second longest, you know, with the team, obviously, you know, Nolan and Cower had finished at 15 years. Like this is a long time to coach one team. And even we've talked about, is there a staleness to it for even him at this point? Is there an element of, you know, does he feel like maybe he's kind of reached the ceiling of what he can do as a coach with this particular team, or maybe just coaching in general, maybe he feels he needs to take some time to kind of refresh himself. And we saw this with Sean Payton. We saw this with in a different situation, but Mike McCarthy, when he loses his job, he took a year off when he probably could have worked, you know, ends up with the Cowboys. And they have their own question marks to still figure out in the postseason, but that's worked out well for him overall. So there's definitely precedent for this. And I think if he does this, it's going to be curious, at least for me, to see is this something where he takes a year, two years off, and then they retain his rights, he gets traded like a Payton situation. There's a lot of things that could happen with this. Yeah, it does, and I, and I compared that to Sean Payton yeah. uh, on yesterday's show when we'll he very Sean Payton coached, yeah. yeah, coached the Saints for 15 years and was very very successful before deciding like he just needed to he needed a break. He took that they year off. off. They yeah. traded him for first, second, third round uh, pick, and so I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Steelers. I wouldn't bet on it. I think the obvious the obvious bet is that Tomlin returns, uh, and because the Steelers aren't going to move on from him, it's going to be. His yeah. choice essentially. Him and, that, yeah. and so something to track for sure. And we'll we'll be sure to uh talk about that this offseason as more uh developments or rumors come in here. So let's talk about the Steelers depth chart for a minute, Shane. This is a, a curious topic, and yeah. it's not surprising that this is one that's on the agenda today. Uh Mike Tomlin had his press conference, he was asked about this, and it was he's actually uh kind of upset about the question, honestly. And so I uh, didn't really give a definitive answer, but uh, the Steelers depth chart came out, the updated depth chart ahead of wildcard weekend. And Kenny Pickett still listed as the quarterback one for the Steelers, followed by Mason Rudolph, even though we know that Mason Rudolph is going to be the starting quarterback for this game. Is it an issue, Shane? Is it is it a part of just trying to like to to save Pickett's confidence? Like, is that what what's going on at this point? Because we know that that Rudolph is starting. Honestly, I have no clue. And I think this is a very funny thing because, like, 
obviously you have to ask the question because it's an updated depth chart and it's it's a weird thing and like maybe it's because it's just because he didn't lose his job from injury they're just going with the hot hand who happens to be the backup quarterback officially over Trubisky maybe that's the reasoning behind it maybe it was the way it was worded when they decided to put the death chart out I don't know what the reasoning is I do think it's funny and I understand why Tomlin is upset about it a little bit because it's not like he sits there and updates the death chart himself it's not like he does like he's not the one that's like actually putting it into the computer and doing everything and creating the graphic like and I, I think obviously we know who's starting right we don't there's no question of who's starting yeah. he's announced it it'd be one thing if he didn't announce it but then it was like why would you ask me about that it's like because you put him as the number mm-hmm. one quarterback like <laughs> because we know it is just a weird thing i don't know if there's any specific reasoning behind it like you could like we kind of talked about but i understand the question it's just i don't think it means anything ultimately is this kind of like an eagle situation i'm trying to remember back with the doug peterson uh, with Nick Foles took over, was Wentz healthy uh, at that point? And then just it was it is a kind of situation like that. I'm trying to think if well, he was healthy. I know the that. I know the Super Bowl year he he tore his ACL, so he was done. So he had no chance okay. coming back. I think the year after that might have also still happened at one point. I don't remember. I might so be getting my back. my years mixed yeah, up. But here, like right? one of those, I think something similar is like this has definitely happened to somebody before. I just don't know if it was important mm-hmm. enough at the time for anybody to ask about it, probably. But going into a playoff game when you're when your quarterback that's drafted in the first round is healthy enough to play, and he's then listed as number one in the depth chart, again, is it just as simple because he would be the number one and had he not gotten hurt? Is it as simple as that? Like that would make sense, but it's still kind of confusing. I don't know. It seems kind of innocuous, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to say the least. And and obviously the Steelers are moving forward with Rudolph. We hope he has that Nick Foles type of run because right. so they're gonna be need fantastic. it. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. All right, let's move on here. Uh, the Still Curtain Podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to $100 for any new sleeper daily fantasy user. Make sure you use the code FANSIDED2 when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. All right, Shane, let's talk about the TJ Watt injury when it first happened I, I i'm just relieved that it wasn't an acl because if yes. it's, you get an acl in january that takes you out all summer long you, yeah. you are rehabbing i've seen it happen to uh players late in the season uh, uh and it affects them the following year and so For something sure. like that they, they avoided some catastrophe there however it, it's still not a good situation because not only did you make the playoffs and you bump back like at, le- at, at least five spots in the pecking order, like in draft capital, which again, it's all about making the tournament anyway. I understand that. But now you are going into the biggest game that you've played in two years without your best football player. Why, if you have not heard yet, has officially been ruled out of this game by Mike Tomlin. I know there were some who were optimistic, like he's a Watt, he can bounce back from this. He obviously he wanted to go back in that game. He said that he wanted to go back in the game. He's yeah. just not there. And, and I, we couldn't expect him to be. Uh, it was a grade two MCL sprain, uh, which he avoided the grade three, which was a tear, uh, yeah. which that, that was the initial fear reported by Ian Rappaport. Came back later and said it's a grade two. And in the way that Rappaport described it is that Watt will be out. At best case scenario, he's out two weeks, which means he would be out this week. If the Steelers beat the Bills, he'd be out against the Ravens, who the Steelers would, they're already locked into playing next week if, they win because right. one play one seed plays the seven seed. So he why would have to, I mean, Steelers would have to make it past two rounds against on the road against really good teams and get to the AFC championship game against whoever that team ends up being. And then 
Rappaport said Watt could probably come back and play with a knee brace. Mm-hmm. So that outlook right there is not very encouraging at all. What do you make of that? No, and I guess ultimately the people who thought, you know, he's a Watt, he could do it. It's like, it's like I don't care how good your genes are, and clearly they have about as good as it gets as far as NFL circles go. Mm-hmm. But if your MCL doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it's not healthy, it's not healthy. So, I, And especially when it comes to like, joints and stuff like that it'd be one thing if it's just a pain threshold thing if there's a pain threshold thing he'd be he'd be practicing today right like there'd be no question about that but this is an injury you can't mess with because that is how you end up missing time next year because you tear something and mess something up so um totally makes sense why he's ruled out i don't think we'll see him in the in the postseason again unless it's the championship game i could see a scenario where if he if he tells him like listen i really think i can go next week you know, with a brace on, then I I could maybe see him at least suiting up, maybe not playing consistently unless it gets close or something or the game stays close. But it, it best case scenario, like you said, is really probably the AFC title game. And if we make the AFC title game without him, then honestly, great. Going well. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> then maybe it won't be that big of a deal anyway. You know, maybe Herbig has four sacks in two games and he's being a freak and, you know, we'll talk about how they're going to replace him possibly. Mm-hmm. But, no, I think that this is obviously the biggest news for the Steelers in the, play- in the playoffs is – him not being there really puts a damper on what could have been, I think, a more interesting matchup than it might end up being otherwise. Yeah, and I can't help but think when that's happened, I'm like, why couldn't it be somebody else that gets their knee rolled up on late in the game like that? Not, I don't wish injury upon anybody, obviously, no. but that is just the that's the single most important chip of this team, I feel yes. like. And so I want to talk about uh, Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. injury, or excuse me, their history here without TJ Watt. Yeah. So we now have it. We've got 11 game sample size without Watt. That's that's coming up on a full season. It's not quite there, but I updated these. I updated these numbers uh, just recently, Shane, and I posted them out here. This stuff is kind of scary. What we've seen so far. And I hope that this is it was just a fluky thing. This 11, 11 game fluky sample size that the trend breaks now at like today for this, because uh, here are the numbers with and without Watt. Uh, when Watt has played since 2017, the Steelers are 69, 33, and two. They win 67.3% of their games. Without Watt, they are one in 10. They win 9% of their games. Uh, with Watt, the Steelers allow 19.8 points to, uh, per game to their opponent. Without Watt, they allow 26.3 points per game to their opponent. With Watt, the Steelers sack the quarterback 3.31 times per game. Without Watt, they sack the quarterback. 1.45 times per game, which is more, the difference of more than double with what the Steelers <sighs> have a combined interception, uh, a forced fumble, fumble recovery of 2.2 or 2.55 of those type of plays per game. They have 1.27 uh, interceptions, four fumbles in fumble recoveries combined per game when Watt doesn't play. This is pretty convincing stuff here because this, this is not a small sample. We're talking about, it's not a three to five game sample size. This is 11 games without Watt. And that's really bad stuff. I mean, they are a bottom tier defense legitimately when Watt doesn't play in terms of all those metrics. And then now I want to break it down even a little bit further, Shane, because everybody will say context. You, where's the context here? And I want to talk about the context yeah, it doesn't for a help. second. And then I'll let you <laughs> chime in and, and share your thoughts. So I, I broke it down further. And every, this, this is every game, every opponent and every quarterback that the Steelers yeah. have faced without TJ Watt in these 11 games. And so dating all the way back, we've got the Bears. The Steelers lost to the Bears. They allowed 23 points to Mike Glennon's Chicago Bear. Mike Glennon's Chicago Bears uh, in that loss. Uh, then they lost to Baker Mayfield in the Browns. They allowed 24 points. 
They lost to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. That's understandable. Right. Allowed 24 points, but they did not sack the quarterback, something Steelers routinely do against the Bengals. Right. Uh, they played the Chargers, and they lost it, uh, to Justin Herbert again, a great, right. good quarterback, and he was playing really well at that time. They allowed 41 points uh, to Herbert without TJ Watt. That one. Yeah. Uh, they played the Patriots. They lost to Mac Jones and the Patriots, allowing yeah. 17 points and not sacking him once. Uh, then they played Jacoby Brissett. The, the, I think that was the following week. They played Jacoby Brissett. They allowed 29 points to Jacoby Brissett and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Sewers sacked the quarterback twice in that game. They played the New York Jets and Zach Wilson allowed 24 <laughs> points to Zach Wilson without TJ Watt. Then you play Josh Allen allowed 30 point, 38 right. points without right. Watt. Understandable. Although if you go back the last time the Steelers played with Watt, they allowed yeah, 16 they, uh, and Watt yeah, had a three they, stack uh, game. Right. Yeah. So you, the, here's the lone win, Shane. It comes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Of all people, it comes against I know, right? Tom Brady, a 45-year-old Brady, but Tom Brady, nonetheless, uh, that was that was the remarkable Trubisky second Yeah, down the that, like, weird one-time he plays good off the bench game. Yeah. The, the one time he played good for the Steelers that earned him that contract extension. Yeah. So that's the that's Steelers' one win without Watt. Following week, uh, they lost to Tua and the Dolphins. They sacked the quarterback zero times. Then after that, they gave up 35 points to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles sacked the quarterback zero times. This defense has been horrific when Watt hasn't played. And it's a mixture. It's not just because, oh, they've they've only played good quarterbacks without Watt. No, that's not true. More that's than half the quarterbacks they've played have been kind of just un, unstartable quarterbacks, really. And so what is your take on all this? Are we reading too deeply into these things? Uh, are the Steelers really that bad when Watt doesn't play? So I, I just want to point out, so something that's been talked about a lot recently, and I'm not going to do this debate anymore. I, I don't really feel like fighting with people about it. I know that Garrett's going to win defensive player of the year. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it necessarily at all because he had a great year and he's, he has great impact on that defense. And the defense has outperformed ours, right? Obviously, that's going to factor into this race. But there's a lot of people that say that, that Watt is a system player. He's The reason he's so good is because of the system in Pittsburgh. And I just want everyone to look at the numbers when this man does not play for this defense, for this defense. And it's not like the defenses that he, he was missing from were like bad defenses outside of him. Like we still had a lot of the same star talent that surrounds him now and they could not get after the passer. They could not create splash plays. I think the underrated part of what missing is the amount of weird, like stupid stuff that he pulls off in the middle of a game that no one else even really knows how or tries to do and create splash plays is one of the biggest factors to this defense, not giving up a ton of points, despite being in the twenties and yards allowed and, and not having a great success rate in terms of keeping teams from getting close to the end zone. Like they do not allow a lot of points because he will create a turnover to pretty much on his own every week, whether that's through pressuring the quarterback into a bad decision or literally taking the ball mm -hmm. from him or intercepting the ball, as we know he will do sometimes like, it's the, that element of it, I think, is really hard to quantify with you know, analytics and, and statistics even because when you watch it, it just feels like, okay, there's a play that needs to be made right now, and you almost feel like you know that he's going to make it. And I can't say that about a lot of other – even other star edge rushers or defensive players because they don't all have the instincts that he has as a football player. And that's what I think is most missing from this team when he doesn't play is that element of it. Not just the pass rushing ability in general, but that stuff that you can't really coach or, or try to replicate. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's such a monster when it comes to that kind of stuff. And we've got enough evidence to support that yeah. at this point. And to add some more context to this, I know the other argument people are going to say, well, the, the drop off is so bad. Like you've got lower than replacement level yes. players. And that's true. Like that is a huge for, for, for half yeah. of this, they had Malik Reed was the backup. We just talked about him yesterday and saying, yeah, he had no business being in that position where he's the, the, the first guy off the bench. And so that certainly did not help. No. That was for about half of it, though. But you go back before that, there were multiple games where where uh, Melvin Ingram was the backup to TJ Watt, and the results were still really bad. And so yeah. uh, it gave up a 41-point game. And, and in the two games where Melvin Ingram had to step in for Watt, it, it, the, Steelers, uh, the Steelers gave up, I got it right here, 65 points and only sacked the quarterback twice over a two-game span. And yeah. so and Ingram's like, it, Ingram is a good player, and he's been proven to be a good player. And so – Yes, no, obviously the backup's not going to be as good as your starter. There are different types of replacement level backups. Like there's, there's yes. guys that, that are like bottom floor, like barely rosterable type players. And there's guys that are like, oh, you could be good enough to be on somebody else's starting lineup. And so obviously if the Steelers had one of those guys, maybe the results aren't quite as bad, but I don't know which these games, they shift the tides enough to say, now the Steelers suddenly win these football games where the defense is otherwise horrible. And so I want to throw one more thing out here, Shane, and just, just, Another testament to TJ Watt is last year, the Steelers in, in the eight games that Watt did not play because of the peck tear, mm -hmm. Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward combined for five and a half sacks. Yeah. When Watt was on the field, not, not what he did, but just when he was on the field, Hayward and Highsmith combined for 19 and a half sacks in the other half of the season. So it's, yeah. I, I don't feel like that's coincidental. I know no, that sure your, your schedule got maybe a little bit easier down the stretch, Watt makes a difference. He is mm -hmm. the guy that every single team has to account for. And obviously we talked about this before. They know what side he's going to be on. So it's easy to, to account for where he's going to be, but it's still, uh, it's still hard to account for the impact that he can make and the impact that he can help others on his team make. No, you're hundred percent right. And that's why, like, I do think, and we'll talk about it here in a second. I think that there is a higher chance of us being able to game plan around the fact that Watt isn't going to be in there. I think we have better players to slot in to do some of the stuff that he would normally do, but it's, there's no guarantee. Cause again, you cannot guarantee that any of these guys are going to come in for him are going to be able to make that, that game changing play. That's really about instinct or about hustle or about just like things that he does better than really anyone else in his position. You can't ask that of backups mm -hmm. or even others. Again, even other star edge players, they don't always do this. Some of the stuff that he pulls off, and it's really hard to you know, equate that to anyone else or try to ask anyone else to do those things. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I'm excited to see Nick Herbig, but this is yeah. not the way that I wanted to see him. No, I wanted exactly. to see him just get in heavier rotation right. because that would have kept Watt and Highsmith nice, fresh, and healthy. Uh, but let's talk about this, Shane. How should the Steelers game plan for the Bills this week without Watt, knowing that it's probably going to be some variation of that three-man rotation, like Highsmith, and then you've got Marcus Golden mm -hmm, and Nick Herbig. Those are your guys that have to find a way to get after 
after one of the, the hardest quarterbacks to bring down in the NFL, one of the best at extending the play in the NFL, if not the best at extending the play in the NFL. And so how are those three guys without TJ Watt, who's, who has played Josh Allen very well in the past, how are they going to get the job done? And what, what kind of rotation yeah. do you see happening here? Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, too. So if you guys want to have some more breakdown of that, you can check that out. But honestly, the best thing that they can do, in my opinion, and this kind of goes back to yesterday, is obviously Highsmith is going to play 99% of the snaps, most likely, on his side. And I think a rotation that's based on down and distance and situation on the other side, where Marcus Golden, the veteran, he's a little bit bigger of a player, more stout. You have him be the primary kind of first and second down or just you know non-passing situations or likely running situations. You have him on the field, and Herbig comes in, brings that juice, that fire on third downs or just passing situations, right? Like that's kind of ideally what you do. I have a feeling it's, they're not going to be that specific about it. I do think it's going to be more about, you know, letting Golden probably go out there first and kind of see how he's playing. If he's not getting it done, then Herbert goes in for most of the snaps and like kind of rotate them throughout the game in that way. But I do think the best way to do it would be to have Herbert just focus on, okay, we don't need you to fit the run here necessarily. We don't need you mm-hmm. to set a hard edge. We need you to get around that edge as fast as possible and make Josh Allen uncomfortable. And I will say with Herbig, like as much as Watt is great at this too, like there's not many guys that have ever been better at just chasing guys down with pure effort. Herbig has probably just as much at least like explosiveness as as Watt just because he's a smaller player. He has really good straight line speed. Like Allen can run away from guys at his size, but I think Herbig can chase him down. I think that's one of the benefits of having him in there, especially on the passing downs. Yeah, and Herbig obviously is a smaller guy. It's why he fell in the draft. Like if it, it is, he, it is. If he yeah. was bigger and longer, I mean, you're, you're looking at potentially a first round pick because oh, he would have been a first round if he was like were that good. Yeah, like and he's already proven to be better than his draft status, and so oh, that, yeah. I, that I love. Now here's and I think that even as a run defender, Shane, I think that Herbig is slippery and elusive. Yes, he's explosive, he, but he, I, he just yeah, he get, that edge the same way that his quick twitch would. can get around right. blocks. What would scare me though is if they just decide to come downhill. And you've got these mammoth offensive tackles and Deion Dawkins and Spencer yeah. Brown. I, I worry that he can get washed out a little yes. bit. So I agree with that. I, I want I want Herbig this week to be a pure pass rush specialist, just mm-hmm. a guy that tees off, bends around the edge as quick as you can, and tries to get to Josh Allen before he has that ability to extend the play and turn something. Uh, uh, it's turn it into a huge gain, which we've seen him do. And even like it, it, Allen is is good enough to the point where. You look at this Dolphins game. He throws two picks in the red zone. He can still bounce back and make big plays after that, and yeah. it never scares him. Like it doesn't matter how no, many he mistakes care. he makes. He cares so little about it. It's yes, funny, he, honestly, he's not going to stop running through people, and he's not going to stop extending the play. And so, I, no. uh, I'd like to see her big in that role. Um, again, we broke this down a little bit further on yesterday's show. If you want to go check that out, but I do, I agree with you, Shane. I think that Highsmith is only leaving the field. If he is gassed and can't right, go for a drive minute, or a series, yeah, and, he's, and then he'll be right back out there again because they know how much this game depends on him. And honestly, you could make the case that besides Mason Rudolph, who is the quarterback of this team for this week, Highsmith is the next most important player in this team. Like they have to get pressure on Josh Allen without TJ Watt. And if they can't do that, they will have no chance in yeah. this game. So uh, keep an eye on him. Uh, he needs a huge performance this week. All right. If you are a fan of Pittsburgh Steelers football and you would like to support the Steel Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Steel Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support.
All right. And if you are joining us here in the live chat, if you have any questions for us as we preview uh, the Steelers Bills matchup, please drop them in the chat, Shane. I would love to get to those before the end of today's show. And we are going to talk about that wild card matchup uh, this weekend in Buffalo. Uh, forecast is looking like 26 degrees and snow flurry. So perfect, like AFC playoff football weather there. Uh, Steelers versus Bills. Start with the odds here, Shane. Not encouraging, but the Steelers like to operate as underdogs. And so, Never more motivation than this. The Steelers are 10-point underdogs as we go into Super Wild Card Weekend. That is the biggest underdog of any team playing football uh, this week. And so the, the line actually started at 9.5 points. It got bet up to 10 points now. And I'll be interested to see if it comes back down at all before kickoff uh, or if this is where it's going to be. And so uh, is that a fair line where we're sitting at right now? I think it's very fair. Now, I, I am curious what this line would have been if Watts healthy. Like, how much does he move this line? Is it go yeah. down to like a true touchdown, like seven point thing? Because I could argue that. I think you can make that argument that he at least swings it that much. If you look at the stats, he swings it by a touchdown, right? Like we talked about like points allowed. Like it's basically a full touchdown difference um, in points per game. So I think that this is totally fair considering you don't know what this defense is going to look like against Josh Allen with TJ Watt out. Right. I think with him in there, you have at least some level of like, okay, they're probably going to get points scored on them, but there's going to be moments where they make a big play and, and Allen gives them a chance to to take take the football away. And now I think that they don't have to worry about that as much, at least going into the game, game planning wise. I think they're going to try to just take what we give them and just kind of play it from there. And then if Allen wants to make a mistake, awesome. But I think that they're more likely to be able to get away with that now without with Watt out. Yeah, and it's I'm not surprised to see the line where it is either. I mean, you're again, we talked about this before. You're with your third string quarterback, yep. you're with your best football player, and you're on a roster that has some glaring holes and glaring oh, yeah. weaknesses on this team with guys like Dan Moore and Mason Cole, uh, your whole linebacker group outside of Atlanta Roberts returning. Uh, you had holes in the secondary at safety next to Minka, yeah. and Minka, even Minka has missed what five weeks now, four or five Something weeks. And like so, that, yeah. and then prior to that, he had the hamstring injury. And mm -hmm. so, Minka's been out half the year. Uh, they, they just have too many roster holes for, for, for Vegas to set this line much higher, uh, or closer together than, than what it is. And so, uh, over under for this game set at only 36 points. I think that's probably pretty reasonable as well, considering it, uh, the weather could play a factor in this one, too. Uh, let's talk about. Some of the biggest things to watch in this game, because this is what eyes will be on because Watt's not there. Uh, obviously, how is the pass rush going to perform? Alex Highsmith is going to be a big topic this week. Can he do enough? And I'll be interested to see, Shane, because I still don't know what the plan is. I don't think we'll know until we see it. But uh, do you predict that Highsmith will, will mostly stick to his own side over the, the right edge uh, going against Deion Dawkins? Do you think the Steelers try to move him, maybe get a different matchup over against Spencer Brown where he can kind of just dip and spin him uh, on on the left side over there? Uh, how do you see that going for him? So honestly, I this is so this take is more based on something that doesn't clearly didn't matter if you look back and watch it as far as the preseason goes. But in a very limited time, against Deion Dawkins in the Bills preseason game. Nick Herbig yeah. put him in a blender on like to a point where it was disgusting. Like Dawkins was probably mm -hmm. like, man, I need to get out of here. Like this is embarrassing. I'm a you know pro bowl left tackle. What was going on? I would like to see Herbig get that matchup. And I, as much as Spencer Brown has even like definitely more of an issue in pass protection, 
I think I'd rather have my best pass rusher go against him and let Herbig try to figure it out against Dawkins. Because I think that size difference, obviously, like even though Herbig could get around him maybe quicker, Brown is at least a bigger target to have to get around. And I think that that limits some of his upside as far as the quick get to the ball immediately type of stuff. So I'd like to see Dawkins get, you know, Herbig get Dawkins a lot of the time. So I'm hoping that they move him, move all these guys around. Really, you have to do something to confuse this Bills offensive line. Like now that TJ's not in there, I already didn't think you should do what they do anyway and leave them both on the same side all the time. But you definitely can't do that now, I don't think. Because now that you, you lose that benefit of watches still messing stuff up anyway, despite him always being in the same place. So, yeah, and I think the Bills have they've got like a stable offensive line overall. They don't have that one piece. It's like, oh, this is our guy, <laughs> like Dan Moore on that side saying this is the guy yeah, that we even have Brown's to go after. Been better this year, yeah. So, so he he's been better this year, and so uh, it's the interior guys. I mean, the same way like Benton and, and Hayward. A, a lot depends on them and and as good as Benton has played like we'd like to see those guys obviously step it up even yeah. without what it's it's going to take all hands on deck here so a collection team effort to get that pressure uh because we know what Allen can do otherwise graded out as the top quarterback in the NFL uh this year according to pro football focus and the Bills finished seven and one and so you're getting a hot team it's like it's the anti like whoever would have got the Jaguars if they would have snuck into the playoffs so uh it, you you don't like to get hot teams uh, when they're performing well, and, and that's what the Seahawks are getting this week. It's why the line is so big. Uh, let's talk about Joey Porter here because I think that, man, you can make a case that, again, it's it's Highsmith, and then maybe Porter's right there in terms of importance in this game. Like, if if, if you – I will ask you this, actually, Shane. If you, if you had to be without one of these guys, knowing that TJ Watt is out, would you be without Highsmith or would you be without the only guy that can cover in the Steelers' secondary at cornerback? So that's that's a really funny question. Against Stephon Diggs. Right. I think the problem is is it wouldn't if if Alex was out, it wouldn't matter if Joey Porter's playing because there would be all the time <laughs> in the world. Like you can't ask yeah. Joey to cover for six seconds. Mm-hmm. Now you can ask someone else to cover for three seconds or four seconds mm-hmm. if Highsmith's in there. So like I think the answer is Highsmith. I've always been one that I, I believe that pass rush is more consistent and more of a better a, a better investment than secondary play, simply because I feel like the the down to down consistency is easier to manage on the edge, where you're getting a lot of the same matchups. Like they don't have the same disadvantages. Where again, playing corner in the NFL, especially, is just a nightmare. Like I, I feel like if you wanted to make me look the worst I possibly could as an athlete, just ask me to go cover somebody in space. Like you just, it's insane. So I, I think honestly, Highsmith would be the one I'd be more worried to be out because I don't know if Golden and Herbig would be enough. And I already know at least the secondary is going to be bad, like kind of bad no matter what we do. At least, at least with the pass rush, we have a better chance of succeeding there. So. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Now, now that I'm thinking about that, I still think that Porter's probably, I mean, top five player on the team in terms of importance. This oh week. yeah, Stephon just... Diggs is that go-to target. I know oh, yeah. that him and Allen have not been on the same page this year. There's kind of yeah. a strike between them a little bit. Other times, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that is the guy you got to contain. I think that's the guy that Porter's going to follow around the field, and it's a tough matchup because you're going against a precise, uh, quick-twitched route runner, and I think that that Porter probably fares well. Uh, better at least against the the big like the T Higgins type receivers. I'm interested to see how he does in this matchup because it's going to be necessary for him to at least contain Dig mm-hmm. somewhat uh, for the Steelers to be successful. Force Josh Allen to go somewhere else, but that is one thing that I worry about here. I also worry about Dalton Kincaid, like that guy. Yeah, I feel like can shred the Steelers across the middle of the field because of their poor uh, linebacker play and safety play that they've gotten recently. Um, I think that that's a guy that's going to have to be accounted for him. Kind of do a little bit of inside out zone coverage here, whatever you have to do. Don't let him get comfortable to his top two favorite targets 
right now. We talked about Gabe Davis coming back. I'm not as worried about Gabe Davis, uh, Khalil Shakir. I think that the, I think that the rest of the defense will be able to match kind of stride for stride with those guys. But it, the ones I just don't, I, I just feel like this particular matchup, it's digs busting out on one of those enormous plays down the field uh, or Dalton Kincaid just kind of nickel and diming uh, with the tight ends down the field as well. That's kind of what scares me this week. Yeah. And uh, real quick, I didn't want to get a couple of chats in here. So um, we have Rose earned playoff time, right? I think the cover nine out of the safety three safety look would be successful this week. I do think that Rose earned a spot, not in the necessarily starting lineup guarantee, but I think his role as a box safety in particular, I think no one else can really do that as well as him, at least what he's shown in limited time this year. Plus, this could allow Minka to play true free safety, which with his injuries and maybe trying to keep him away from the box a little bit in this game to give, give us a chance to create plays, like that would be very helpful um, for sure. And uh, Steelers freak uh, Porter is big this game too. Yeah, we talked about that. Like he's going to have to lock down Stephon Diggs realistically. And this is interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about scouting actually on the second show going into the offseason. But um, tell me if you scouted TJ Tampa yet. I think he's a good fit and a great match with Porter. I'm not sure if you watched anybody yet this year, but I am familiar with this guy. I, I have just started the scouting process, so no, I've not got to that yet. I assure you that I will get through several hundred players uh, by the end of it here. And uh, that I, when I when I get to that point, ask me again, and yeah. uh, we'll go over that. So, uh, but for now, let's let's talk about this. You talked about the safety position yet. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting dynamic because now all of a sudden you were decimated. And you get two safeties back at once and Minka and KZ. And so now I'm in, interested to see uh, how they decide to go about this. Yeah, Roe hasn't been terrible. He obviously had the, the interception. Um, he did he's taken a couple questionable angles that's, at yeah. times. And so that's what it, it would worry is, me. Yeah. Like Diggs crossing his face and doing one of those type yeah. of plays. Uh, so I, I don't really know how that's going to work. I'd obviously assume that if Mika is healthy enough to, to practice and go this week, he's not leaving the field because he can't afford to. And so other than that, I don't know what kind of rotation they'll use. Maybe they'll, maybe he will be the role will be the, like the Keanu Neal to the, uh, Demonte case. That's, that's what I think would be ideal. That would be what you'd want to do with him. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about the running game here for a second, Shane, because Obviously, I mean, there are so many factors in this game that need to go Pittsburgh's way. Running the ball is one of them. If you don't run the ball well, I don't see any way the Steelers can emerge victorious. You're not going to win like some sort of shootout matchup, but Mason Rudolph against Josh Allen, I don't believe. And so the running the ball is something the Steelers ha have been able to do very effectively, even more so uh, than what the Bills did. Now, Bills have had a, a few couple monstrous games like against Dallas where they probably could have won that game throwing like four or five passes because James Cook was so good and and yeah. uh, uh, Josh Allen was just steamrolling everybody. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see who has the better running performance. I think it's very necessary for Steelers to have that that edge over the Bills this week, and I think that it's possible. Obviously, I hope it's not as wet and slippery as it was last week because that'll negate kind of one of Pittsburgh's strengths there. Uh, and you can't afford to have the, those fumbles or anything this week. And so um, I think that you could find some success against Buffalo. I don't think that the, their interior defensive line is incredibly strong or anything that way. They do have some players that are on defense that have outperformed expectations this year. Uh, but I, I, I expect a reasonable, I would say reasonable rushing performance by the Steelers. Maybe maybe like 100, 100, 100 120 rushing yards, four and a half yards in attempts, something like that. I think that you could carve something out like that Will it be enough to complement that passing game? That's the question. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute too as far as Mason. But as far as run game goes, I think this is obviously the key, right? We can talk about, you know, can Herbig get pressure and can Golden and him match with 
what TJ does, at least to some degree, give you 70, 80% of what he gives you. And we talk about this and that. Ultimately, if they can't run the football consistently and enough to continue to hold on to the football and take up time of possession, they don't have a path to win, right? The, the, their path to win is play good enough defense, do not allow explosive plays to get down early so that way you have to throw the football and control the clock, run with your guys. You have the best running back duo in the NFL, in my opinion, at this point, right? Numbers probably bear that out too, but you have one of the best duos in the league, regardless of who you, if there's someone else you have above them. Mm-hmm. You have to rely on what's working. And as much as Mason's had some big plays happen, it's not like he's throwing 50 bombs down the field every game. Like a lot of these are catch and run opportunities that, yes, we haven't seen. We finally have seen. I'm glad to see it. But you can't expect him to continue to do that every single week. He's gotten at least one, it feels like, every week. And it might not happen this game. So you have to be able to run the football consistently. Yeah, I think what it what it goes to show us, Shane, this week, that the element that was missing was Rudolph, over these past three games, he has been able to have that one play or two per game where he just gets that dart in stride mm-hmm. on a crossing route, a post route, whatever, over the middle of the field. And Steelers are finally using the middle of the field. It allows your receivers to run after the catch. They took care of the work afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if, if you can have that again this game where you're going to be able to bust off that. I know that the the uh, Buffalo's cornerbacks are playing better than expected. They've been, been yeah, the trio corners well. there. So, and it's not even the names that you would expect. It's like everybody everybody thought, well, at this point, it'd be like, oh, Jadavius White on IR. Kyrie Elam, former first-round pick, just can't get just on the field. Not good, not good can't, can't get on the field. Right. It's other guys, like more, more or less the no-name guys that have really stepped up and have played very yeah. well for them. And they've got three corners uh, that are grading out, uh, inside the top 12 in the NFL at their position this year. So uh, they've been very consistent, reliable. Um, I, I do think that Rudolph, whether we like it or not, Rudolph is going to have to probably have a, a, a 220 plus yards, maybe a pair of touchdowns through the air. Like I think it's going to require that type of game. I just don't, I don't, I don't think you can hold the bills down enough defensively, especially without TJ Watt to say that you can get away with kind of like what you did last week, 152 yards and a touchdown. Like that's, you're, you're going to need a big Mason Rudolph performance. I don't know how big that's going to go. I don't know what the, what the ceiling is there. I, I, I don't think that you're going to get anything close to probably what you did uh, like in Cincinnati. Um, but I think that you are going to have to have a solid game, even if you have a, a complimentary running game. It's it's going to require a lot to to emerge victorious here. Well, the one good thing I'll say, and, and I have to get this in just because it's it's too funny, is we he won't have to throw to Chase Claypool with the game on the line. So that that <laughs> he already has an advantage right there. Um, yes. No, it's a, so I think because in our notes here, it's can can Mason Rudolph keep pace? No, he probably can't. Well, if he has to, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of game. And this is nothing against Mason. It's just we're talking about two different – I mean, they might as well be playing different sports. And this is nothing against, again, Mason. <laughs> Him and Josh Allen don't play the same sport, really, at the end of the day. Like, they they play different positions. You might as well. Um, and, again, I'd be saying that about a lot of guys. So it's not just like a Mason thing. But, yeah, if he has to keep pace, if he has to go blow for blow with Josh Allen – I, yeah, I don't really think that's going to happen and it it shouldn't be expected to happen though either. So this isn't something like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, you have to be able to do that. No, we're past this whole, like, oh, we have to be able to score 30 points thing. 
if we do awesome i can't ask them to do that right like i'm not asking them to do that against this bills team so yeah i think mason will have his moments i do think that what he's doing is relatively repeatable like i don't think this is some like big huge fluke thing maybe the explosive plays being so common is definitely a little fluky because you just don't see that very often in the nfl yeah. but in terms of like how he's getting them and what he's doing i do think that is relatively repeatable at least the rest of the year especially yeah, and if you uh, if you didn't catch what what Shane was saying there in regards <laughs> to Chase Claypool, uh, obviously the the end of the Bills Dolphins game to his very last pass of the game was an interception uh, into double coverage to a Chase Claypool kind of rounded off his route there, and so yeah. just not that he ever had a shot at the ball, but uh, it just kind of the story of his his career yeah. in the last couple of years there. Uh, all right, Shane, let's talk about the Steelers' keys to victory here. We're going to give one on offense, one on defense. What you have to do um, in uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and start, and I'm going to hope that you don't take mine this time, but we'll, let's see what happens here. I, it might be similar to yours, but I, I'm very specific with mine. I think, and I really believe this, I think they have to run for 200 yards. Okay. I think offensively, if we're talking offensively, I think they have to finish the game with over 200 yards rushing because, one, normally if you run for 200 yards, you probably win because the only reason you've run enough to get to 200 yards is because you're nursing the lead, right? So there's that element of it, like just the kind of the head game of it. But also, I legitimately think offensively, the only way that they're going to keep the Bills off the field often enough and also to have the ball often enough in general and score points is to run for that many yards. I really think it's going to take that level of rushing performance to actually come away with a win you know, on the offensive side, at least. Yeah, offensively, uh, running the game, obviously, very important, critical to this performance. I think Mason Rudolph is going to need to to pull out like four to six like big-time throws. Yeah, probably those so. the, Those 15 yeah. to 20-yard passes down the field, maybe one of them escapes for a touchdown. Right. And you need to do that without turning the ball over because yeah, you, you lose turn, the tournament battle in this. It, it's, yeah. it, that's all she wrote. So you're, he's, he's going to have to pull something out of his hat here. Uh, probably needs just his career performance this week. Uh, defensively, what does Steelers have to do? I Honestly, and this is another thing that is kind of specific, but I think they have to force a minimum three turnovers. I legitimately think if the Bills turn the ball over less than three times, they will win almost no matter what because we've already seen them do that against teams that are, have better offenses that can actually take advantage of those more, right? I think you have to win the turnover battle by three. Now, maybe you turn one over, but you get them four times. Like, I don't really care how the numbers work out, but I think it has to be, and this is insane to say in the NFL, that you have to have a plus three margin. But I do think that that's the case. I think that you have to be able to out turnover the, or have more turnovers than them by three at that point. Um, mm -hmm. Something I wanted to mention real quick, uh, Pete Carroll apparently is expected to be out as Seahawks coach. I just saw breaking news, so I just oh, want to wow. throw that out there. But he might remain with the team in some other fashion, kind of like a Bruce Arians okay. thing, I think, probably. But That's just wanted to throw that. I saw that, so I wanted to throw that. Yes. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. You set the number like right on the head too. Like yeah. if you said the Steelers create two takeaways in this game, I'm like, mm, no, probably not enough. That's not going to cut it. Probably. Josh, I would give that to so, you for fun. He'll do it for two. Oh uh, yeah. He'll <laughs> give that to you in the first quarter probably yeah, before. He, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that three is the magic number. I think that three gives you that fighting shot to say, all right, just the, the Steelers create three. Maybe they, they don't turn the ball over at all. And mm -hmm. you, you're right there in the game. Maybe you turn it over once you still win the takeaway battle, you're plus two. Uh, in turnovers, I think it's going to take probably that. Outside of that, though, I, I want to kind of go back to those, those two matchups that scare me again. Kincaid against Steelers linebackers, yeah. who is just a even, even as a rookie, he's just a precise route runner yeah, and a guy good. that I would not be surprised at all 
if, if Allen targeted nine to 11 times in this mm-hmm. game and sure. kind of puts the game on ice that way. And Stefan Diggs against Joey Porter Jr. Depending like if, if Porter can just play like lights out football, like completely shut him down kind of like he did to uh, uh, Jamar Chase in that, in that first game there, uh, you, you need to have just a phenomenal Joey Porter game to take away the number one option for Josh Allen. I think that gives you a fighting chance because it's going to eliminate a lot of that big playability. And again, I, I mean, there are so many things we can point to too, like uh, containing him, like contain the guy too. So it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one. It's r- truly a collection of things when you play a, a team that is this far above you at this yeah, point in time without your best there. football player. So uh, that part will be interesting. All right, Shane, let's give our predictions before we sign off here on today's show. And we're hoping that by this time next week, we get to talk about at least one more playoff game. Uh, if yeah. not, don't go anywhere because you guys are going to enjoy the offseason with us. We're going to break down draft prospects. We're going to talk about free agency, coaching yeah. decisions. All that kind of stuff. So I think it's we're going to amp it up even more. Like it's getting oh, yeah, even sure. more excited uh, than this this plateaued season. That's what your word we used yesterday. The, the kind yeah. of the plateaued Steelers over the last five or six years. Uh, so make sure you stay with us. Uh, but let's give our predictions, Shane. Steelers versus Bills, Wild Card Weekend. Who do you have winning this contest? Can you give us a score with it? Yeah. So uh, talked a lot about the scenarios that the Steelers could end up pulling this game out, but. I think if you played the this game, simulated it 100 times, I think the Bills would win about 90 of them, right? I think that's kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, that's, again, that's no slight to even what the Steelers have done the last three weeks. It's just really hard to play a team that can legitimately turn the ball over a bunch with their quarterback, and it just doesn't matter because he just makes other plays. Like, and that's the problem with it. We talked about the plus three turnover margin being a thing that I think would have to happen. It's, it's just how it is, right? And I think that ultimately they're going to – I think they're going to beat the spread. I don't think they'll lose by two scores. I think that the Bills are at a place where they can win games outright the way that they're playing, but I don't think that they're conducive to mm-hmm. blowing a team out generally because of the mistakes that will still happen because of that. So I have 27-20 Bills. I think that they're going to win by a touchdown. Maybe the Steelers have to come back late to make it a touchdown game, but I do think that they will at least cover the spread. All right, Shane. I I, I – agree with where you are there yeah. i've got a, i've got the score a little bit lower here i've got 24 mm-hmm. to 16 Close, in favor yeah. of the buffalo bills I, I think that the weather could play a factor this weekend uh, i kind of went back and forth on this because obviously the bills have the potential to put up 30 plus the, they no do question they do on yeah. the steelers uh but combined with the 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 uh the weather factor you're getting minka back i'm hoping that porter uh, a, a good game is coming from him hoping the Steelers get just enough pressure i think that they will have a chance but I can also see a, a, the game getting a little bit out of hand early. Steelers have mm-hmm. to right back, maybe get two of their three scores uh, in the in the second half of the game, and and that's where it ends, and that's where their season ends. And then the talk becomes about Mike Tomlin and his future, seven yeah. playoff win, and, well, we and yada yada. And so yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be sure to break that down, and we're hoping we can at least delay that for for one more week here. Right. Um, okay. So that's what we have. Shane and I both have Buffalo taking it. Over the over the Steelers this week, we will not get to see TJ Watt in the postseason this year. Uh, I hope that yeah. we're wrong. Stay yeah. tuned. If you guys have your predictions, please drop them for us. Uh, we'd like to see wh- where those are, and maybe we'll, by this time next week, we can look at it. Maybe one of you uh, predicted it uh, correctly here. All right, we go live on this show. All right, we're we'll we'll going to get to one more. Let's get to one more here. All right, do you think Tom is oh, yeah, down? All right. Do you think Tom and uh, stepping down talk is because Khan and Weidel 
are taking away some of the control. I, I don't know if it's if it's a control issue, honestly, because I just think that Tomlin has so much power. Like I've compared, he's like Emperor Palpatine yeah. at this point. Where <laughs> he has so he has so much power that I don't know if they would have the edge to do that uh, without the yeah. really safe. So I don't know if, it, if it's because of that. I, I think I, I generally think not that it, not that it's the that would be the wrong decision. I'm just saying I think uh, it's more likely that Tomlin is getting burnt out. Maybe I think that that, would that be seems more likely. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I don't know if there's any truth to taking away some control. Like I think that obviously when you bring in guys like Khan and, and you have him be in the organization so long and widely bring in, like they're obviously trying to change things up. But I don't think they're trying to tell Tomlin like, hey. We don't want you to be in the decision-making process. We don't want your input. Like it's it's been a collaborative effort, and you could tell because there's been some things that they haven't focused on in the past that they have the past two years: building up the offensive line, drafting a tackle for the first time, and again probably since I was born, I think, or somewhere around there, the first round. Like there's been yeah, changes, right? Exactly. There's been changes <laughs> that we've seen that Tom doesn't seem to be not on board with, at least you know. And so I I don't know it. It's interesting as far as being given a short list of OCs to choose. I haven't heard that either, but um, honestly, I think that's the right decision though. I do think there is certain things that I'd like to take, you know, Tom's complete under control over just because that generally, I just don't think that works out, you know, rarely does, you know, so I, I, I think that that, it's mostly him just being burnt out. No, and I think either way, it, whether Tomlin's here or not, I think we still do have reason to be optimistic about the front office. Like, I, I like the direction that things are heading in. I like that they're targeting yeah. actual valuable money positions. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, we'll we'll obviously track where they are uh, throughout the scouting trail here coming up. Um, and I'll be interested to see where that goes, if we can pull off another great draft class. But uh, we're going to sign off for today's show. Go Steelers. They're in the playoffs. We, we've made it this far. Might as well win a playoff game. And maybe, just maybe, if they do, maybe TJ Watt can come back a week earlier than expected and, and we can have some fun. And uh, uh, let's, we go live on this show every Wednesday at 1 30 p.m. Eastern Time. Please make sure you come and join us live, ask your questions. We also go live on Tuesdays uh, for the show that Shane uh, co hosts with me. Um, and we're, we're also we're live there as well. Thank you for joining us today on the show. Uh, you can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening today to the Still Curtain podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.